Yeah, when those intros are really dramatic, I feel a lot of pressure. Like, man, it's like, oh, okay, all the hope. It's up to you, Gary. Here we go. No, I'm excited to be here this morning, and uh, I'm going to wear out this joke, but I'm I'm excited to be the second tallest pastor here at the church, and um, glad to just share life with you guys. So I have this old uh, 71 Ford truck. Some of you know it. Some of you have tried to block it from your memory. Um, And so a a while back, I got this idea that I wanted to add the three-point seat belts. It came with lap belts uh, 48 years ago, and I wanted to kind of upgrade it to the -the over-the-shoulder kind. And it's only got two uh, lap belts, one on the driver's side and one on the passenger side. So if you're in the middle of the bench seat... Um, so basically what that meant was every time I drove my kids somewhere, I had to decide which one I loved the least. And, uh, um, not, it's not true, not entirely true, but, um, no, I wanted to add these seat belts to be, uh, you know, safer for who, whoever was in there with me. Um, so that decision to add seat belts was, was over a year ago. And I want you to know I'm getting closer to that goal. Okay, I'm getting much closer. In fact, I've got a picture that shows how close I am um, to installing the seatbelts. Um, really close, as you can tell. Missing a couple other things right now. But um, here's what I want you to know is, uh, um, in addition to adding seatbelts, I'm going to add another few things. It was kind of one of those projects that ballooned on me. And uh, it was kind of one thing led to another, which led to another, which led to another. Uh, but I swear, that project started with... Seatbelts. Keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. And so yesterday I was, uh, with Dan Mackey's help, I was wrenching on the truck and I was on my way home and stopped for something to eat and journaled some thoughts and was looking, looking at my, in my hands as I was journaling. And this is, this is what kind of came out. Uh, 48 years of grind from the truck worked its way into the creases and wrinkles of my hands this morning. Fingernails look like I got a black-tipped French manicure. And it was a productive day of working on the truck as long as dismantling is considered progress. It seems counterintuitive, but the first step towards a better truck is taking off the old stuff. The process is a dirty one. Now, I've got 51 years of life's grime in the crevices of my heart and mind. In the process of making all things new in me, I wonder how dirty God's hands get. When Jesus was born, he was not wearing gloves, and that is significant. Lent is the season for repentance and returning. Lord, I'm dirty, my thoughts are smudged, my hands are stained, my cravings cruddy, but I won't be this way forever. I was able to pen that because I believe that, but also especially in light of um, preparing for uh, what I'm going to share with you today. There's a verse in Revelation that includes this phrase, all things. And last week it was all things that God is doing to work out good in our lives. And this week, God is making all things new. Revelation 21.5 says, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And so you might be thinking, okay, God is making all things new. Then why does this world look so bad? 
Well, maybe it's because dismantling is considered part of the progress. It could be that God is in the process of stripping some things away. He sees what needs to be done in order to make all things new. Now, this word new could mean new in quality. It could mean uh, a new kind, but in this case, it certainly means better. It's, it, it is, uh, there has been an improvement. Now, this shirt is new. It is previously unworn, but, I, but we're not talking new like just clothes that you put on. There is something new in the soul of who you are. There is something new that God is doing deep down inside that makes its way to the surface of our lives. And this is not just a um, a someday in heaven type of a thing, but this is a process that is beginning now in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, We are told that God is in the process of, of, of making us a new creation. It's the same concept. Um, and it's talking about the old has passed away. The whole front clip is gone. <laughs> We're doing some major renovation here. And behold, you will be new. So for some of us, the thought of a new life sounds really exciting. But there might be some of you that are like, you know, I've, I've worked really hard and I kind of like life the way it is. Um, it could be that maybe you don't really want everything to be new. Maybe you just kind of, could we just kind of, I kind of like status quo. It's working pretty good. Um, And there are several reasons why we might want things to stay the same. One, because maybe it is good. You know, there's a lot of good things in your life right now. What, why would God need to do, to go around changing stuff like that? You know, there's the, uh, the saying that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so I, it's not a good saying because it's grammatically incorrect. It drives me nuts. But, but that's kind of some people's philosophy. But, but as good as we are and as good as we try to be, we're broken people. On our best days, there's still something missing. As good as we can try and make it. And can we agree that as good and beautiful as this area is that we live in, there's some, there's some ugly with it. There are some things that that need to be made new in this broken and dirty and fallen world. Sometimes we don't want things um, to change. Sometimes we want things to remain the same, even when they're bad. And I know that sounds kind of weird to say that, but that's because maybe we've grown comfortable with it or used to it or maybe numb or calloused. Um, It's kind of become the norm and you wouldn't, like, outright say, yeah, this is bad, let's leave it this way. But there is a part of you that's just kind of settled. Um, sometimes we like, the things, uh, like things the way they are because of the hassle of changing it. You know what's involved. You're thinking, I just need to change some seatbelts. And lo and behold, look at what all has to change in your life. And you, you just kind of set out for these little things. You know, and you kind of weigh in the cost. Well, that's just, it's going to be a lot of sacrifice. Is it really worth that kind of change. And sometimes we like things the way they are because we don't know how to change them. How many of us run into the same problems over and over again and we just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, I don't, I don't know how to keep driving down this same dead-end street. I'm trying to make a difference. I'm trying to do things in a better way and I'm just struggling with the same thing over and over and I don't really know what to do. Well, I want us to consider what new could look like for this world and for us individually. Um, 
And I pray that the thought of this world being new and of our lives being new would inspire us to live a confident and radical and hope-filled life right now. The confidence of knowing, boy, my hands are dirty and grimy, but it's not going to be this way forever. So in this, as we're thinking about God making all things new, um, all, this is going to be a, you know, a newsflash here. Guess what all means? It means all. <laughs> it means everything. Each, every, any, the whole, everyone, all things, everything. God wants to make every single thing in your life and in this world new. Jesus did not give us life to make some things new. We are not to settle for God kind of tweaking a few things and making a few things new. Um, my truck, unfortunately, will never be complete. That's a question that my family asks me all the time. So when are you going to be done working on this? And I just, I just laugh just like that. And, uh, and, I, and I walk off. Uh, there's really nothing to say. But unless the soul of that truck can be redeemed and go with me to heaven, which I hope it does. Um, it's never going to be made completely new, but you and I are. We are created in the image of a God who loves us as we are. I've got some great things in store, some new things in store. So this is the message that I want to, I want you to hear loud and clear is there is hope. There is hope for change, for overcoming. There is no aspect of your life that is beyond God's reach and ability to change. If you've got someone in your life that you love dearly, who is struggling and wrestling, making poor choices in life, I want you to know, full confidence, with hope, God can reach them, can change them, can make them new. I'm excited for me because there is going to be a day when I will finally have my act together. I will finally, fully become the new complete man that God created me to be. And that day is promised to me in Revelation 21.5. So what I want to do is I want to read some verses before and after within that same chapter of Revelation 21. You can follow along on the screen if you want to use the Bible in front of you. Maybe you're not real familiar with the Bible, but I'll have you know Revelation is the last uh, book of the Bible. Chapter 21 is the next to the last chapter in that. So it would be something that you can find and there is something significant about it being at the end because this is where things come to completion. It all builds up. The story builds up. So we're going to, I'm telling you the end of the story. If you've not read the Bible, I'm just a spoiler alert. Things turn out okay. Okay. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read through this and it is a description. Um, John, the disciple of Jesus, he's in his waning years of life And God gives him a vision for what heaven is going to be like and how he's going to make heaven and earth new and how he's going to make his people new. And so as I read through this, I want you to think about the things in your life that you would love to see change, some things that you would love to see new in your life, and and then see how they are described here, and then we'll go go back through and we'll talk about some of those. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And down in verse 22, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Again, let me ask you, is there a current difficulty, um, a current reality in your life that just is a desolation to you, that that this passage addresses? Is there something that gives you hope because even that can be made new? So I want us to walk back through these verses, and some of them, um, I just kind of want to throw out some ideas of, wow, this is kind of what new could look like. And, and maybe you uh, will also be inspired to kind of think of some other things in addition to it. Well, it begins in verse 1 um, with a, saying that a new heaven and a new earth. Now, this, this term for heaven is not like where God lives in heaven. It is talking about the heavens, plural, like the space above the earth. So he is going to make the earth and all the space above it, the the universe, the galaxies, um, will be made new. And it says, and the sea was no more. Now picture that, a world without any of the oceans. Our world, now we're not separated by any of the oceans or the seas. And the sea, the, the, uh, the oceans kind of create a natural boundary between countries and especially between some that do not find themselves getting along. Um, but when all things are made new, consider this, there will be unity among people. There will be unity among nations like we have never known. There will be no visas. There will be no need for passports, no security checks. And no lines at the TSA. How is that? Would that be heaven or what? Yeah. Verse 3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This is a a really cool picture of how the Bible is bookended with God dwelling with his people. In Genesis 1 and 2, God dwelled, walked in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. We see other places in scripture where God dwelt among them, the tabernacle in the wilderness. That word tabernacle literally means dwelling. Um, God um, made his home among them in the temple that Solomon built. Um, He came to earth, Jesus came to earth incarnated, God incarnated, dwelling with us. He left his Holy Spirit here as he ascended. He left his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And God is saying, I am coming back. I'm not going to live forever in heaven. I'm going to dwell in this new earth with you. It's a beautiful picture of newness, of God being so close. Verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So let me kind of put this in tangible terms here. There will be no more funerals. There will be no graves. There will be no more hospitals. There will be no more hospice care, no therapist, no Kleenex, no Tylenol, no Advil. We won't need it. I'm playing basketball again in a spring league. It starts tomorrow. Um, This may be a good time for you to invest in stock in Advil um, because I know I'm going to be down in quite a bit of it over the next few weeks of this season. But imagine this world with no pain, no death, no tears. Dan Wilkinson is a guy that played a real key role in my life in, the, in, my, in my 20s. And I met Dan. Uh, he was a counselor. I was just in a really dark season of my life. I walked into his office, and first time I met him, he's just this big, burly guy. He's got pictures of his Harley all over his office. And uh, we kind of over... Quite a long time, we transitioned from a counselor client to kind of mentor, mentee, and then we just became great friends. He invited me into his home. I got to know he and his wife, Gail, really well. I ended up buying a Harley from him. We would go on rides together. We'd wrench together. We'd have dinner together. We would do all this. And uh, there came a time, it was really quite sudden, where um, he contracted what we just thought was like a really bad cold and it got worse and he went to the doctor and after a few visits they said um dan you have five different kinds of cancer and long story short he lived two weeks after that diagnosis and god took him home um gail called me one afternoon and said hey it looks like dan's probably not going to make it through the day if you want to come over and say your goodbyes and so i uh, polished up the Harley, and I rode over there, and I was uh, just a little bit late. Um, he had just passed away a few minutes before I got there. Gail met me at the door, and she said, I want you to know Dan no longer has to battle anymore. And she meant that in a couple of ways. One, just the pain and the struggles that go with cancer and just all the illnesses of this world. He's not, he's not battling anymore. But she also knew that Dan was someone who got in to the nitty-gritty of life with other people and recognize that they were in a battle and he walked with them and he had his own battles that he had to face and he would engage in these battles with other people to help them and she was saying that he doesn't have to battle that anymore this is something that's new and then 
The second thing she said, which really stuck with me too, was now he knows what kind of traction a Harley gets on gold streets. So I thought, <laughs> thought that was kind of a cool thought as well. But God's going to make all things new. And the only tears that you and I will shed will be tears of joy. When we realize that God was big enough to wrap his arms around death and defeat it. Verse 22. Now, this is an interesting. This might be something you have never considered before. Um, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Get this. In heaven there will be no churches. Now, if you are here because someone drug you to church, you might be thinking, jackpot, great. (laughs) Where was this when I was a kid, you know, or whatever you're thinking. There will come a day when there will be no need for church because God will be in all and he will be all. Everywhere we go will be in his presence and we will be worshiping him. We don't kind of have to press pause and set aside some things and put on some good clothes and go to a church service 24-7 in God's presence. That's church in its fullest sense, actually. Verse 23, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk. No sun. There will be no sun there, no street lights. We read later that there will be no nighttime. It will be day all the time. Maybe this would have been a good message for last week with daylight savings. You think this was an early day. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, there, There will be permanent light. It will be the glory of God bringing light to us all. Verse 25, and its gates will never be shut by day. Picture this. There will be doors, but there will be no locks. <laughs> there will be no reason to hide, no reason to hoard, no reason to fear others. Wide open doors. Verse 27, but nothing unclean will ever enter in, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, no sin, no sinners. No more broken homes, no more broken hearts. There will be no police, no judges, no courts, no prisons. This will be a beautiful place for us to walk without fear. To let ourselves be fully known with no fear of rejection. um, To walk without shame. I want to go back up to to verse 6. And as we consider this prospect of all things being new, I believe that this verse very vividly describes the longing that we all have for, for certain things to be new. Verse 6 says, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. And this new earth, what he's describing here, is there will be satisfaction and fulfillment. This is just metaphorically, but if I take a drink, that's really good, but I'm going to be thirsty again. And what's talking about here is the, the, the thirst that's, that, that is being addressed here is, is a description of those desert seasons that you go through. Those wilderness times when um, you, you are suffering because of thirst, because of a, a longing unfulfilled. 
because of this deep yearning that is not being satisfied, things get really bad and very difficult to the point that we cry out. But the many dissatisfactions of this life will be no more. There will be satisfaction someday. Now, the first service didn't think these things were funny that I'm about to read, so get ready to laugh really hard, okay? Um, It got me to thinking that the Rolling Stones are going to have to change their lyrics when they get to heaven. As it turns out, they can get satisfaction, and you can always get what you want. Yeah, yeah? Okay, there's one more. Um, It's a different band, you two, but Bono will finally have found what he's looking for. Yeah. So, okay. All right. They didn't didn't really go over here either. All right. I won't use them for our third service. Yeah. But I'm bummed. All right. So there was a restaurant that I went to a lot in Tampa, and they had a sign that read, Free Beer Tomorrow. Some of you got it, okay? It's a permanent sign. And after I went four days in a row, I, uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, I saw the sign. I kind of laughed and I I wondered, I wonder, you know, does, does somebody show up the next day thinking, but then they see that same sign, free beer, uh, tomorrow. But isn't that kind of a description of this world that we live in? I mean, we have these longings, these cravings, these deep desires, and I'm talking about good desires, the the seed that God planted in our soul that we want to see come to fruition in our life, in the lives of those around us. But we have this sense that it's just, okay, not today, maybe tomorrow. What John is saying in Revelation 21, he's saying, welcome to tomorrow. This is the day where all of your longings will be satisfied without payment. It's free, free. This will be given to us. So I want to ask you a really big question. Um, You might not be able to answer it right away, um, but I want you to start thinking about this. What is it that you are thirsty for? What is your deepest unfulfilled longing? Perhaps it's something that you would love to do or a way you would like to live But maybe there's been something that just keeps holding you back, that gets in the way of being this person or doing that work that you know God puts you on this earth to do. There is something that's separating you from being and doing fully who you were called to be and to do. What what is it that you are really thirsty for? I want to give you an example from my life. Now, what I'm thirsty for it's probably very different than what you are thirst, what you are thirsty for. But uh, I am thirsty for. I want to write. Um, I do write most every day, like journaling or something like that. Um, but I, I know this is going to sound weird. But if if I could spend all day writing and then reading and then reflecting and then writing again, that would be heaven for me. But then there's things like writer's block. Um, Here's my own inner fears. You know, what if I write this and nobody reads it or they laugh or whatever? And then there's this whole thing about, you know, you got to make a living and support a family. (laughs) That gets in the way, you know, what I really want to do. But what if 
the new earth in part was a place where you and I could pursue our greatest dreams with nothing holding us back. How amazing would that be? So several years ago, I journaled about what it would be like to journal in heaven. This is what, uh, what I wrote with a few edits along the way. Will I journal in heaven? I feel certain that I will. I'll write out prayers and reflections. I'll tear out that page and place it directly into God's outstretched hand. I can journal at his feet or maybe request a desk by his side. Either way, writing by the light of his presence. God, you are like a best friend in school, passing notes to you all day in class without fear of getting caught. I close my eyes and picture it, handing you page after page filled with words from the depths of my heart and the tip of my pen. You read each and every journal entry, not only reading them, but also neatly folding each sheet, placing it in your pocket for safekeeping. I'm so glad you don't crumple it up and toss it to the side. I suppose one of the biggest differences when journaling in heaven will be seeing the expression on your face as you read. Will you grow so anxious that you fidget and squirm on your throne, peeking over my shoulder, hoping to catch an early glimpse at what I've got to say? Maybe I'll turn my back to you and cut my hand over the paper to keep you from cheating. This game of offering and receiving worship, my journaling followed by your reading continues forever. No sooner will I hand you written praise and adoration than I will think of something else that I could add, causing me to start writing all over again on the next sheet of paper in my journal. Yeah, to me, that's heaven. When my time on earth is done, I want to be buried with just two things, a journal and a pen. To be honest, I don't anticipate the journal lasting long, nor will the pen make it through the first day before I worship it out of ink. But maybe in heaven, my membership benefits will include an endless supply of paper and a pen that never runs dry. What are you thirsty for? God is in the business of making all things new. He's in the business of satisfying this deep thirst in your soul without payment. In Revelation 22, um, John goes on to say, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. And then John says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It's like John hears Jesus say, Hey, I'm I'm on my way. And John's like, Bring it on. I mean, the sooner, the better. And there is a, a practice called fixed hour prayer that I've engaged in at different times in my spiritual journey. And um, it's just fixed times of the day to pause and to read some scriptures and and prayers. And um, one of the prayers is titled The Cry of the Church. And it goes like this, just a really short prayer. Even so, come Lord Jesus. It's based on this, this verse in Revelation 22. It's like of all of this newness that you've been talking about, I just, I can't, I don't, I don't want to wait anymore. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Would you consider making that a breath prayer this week? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Maybe you just write it down on a piece of paper and keep it in front of you at all times. Put it on your phone. Um, tape it to your mirror, whatever. Um, and in the pain and the tears and the mourning that you may face this week, in the midst of that, even so, come Lord Jesus. In the dark of the night, even so, come Lord Jesus. 
maybe you're at this spot where you just feel like every door is closed and locked and you don't know which way to go. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Maybe in times of frustration and your greatest thirst, even so, come Lord Jesus. In times of sin and addiction and that stuff that you want to change but you don't know how to change it, even so, come Lord Jesus. Let that just be a prayer that you offer throughout the week. Back in Revelation 21, I want to direct our thoughts towards communion with this. Jesus said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It is done. It doesn't mean like uh, I, I quit. It means it has come to completion. Everything that I've been working toward, everything that it's been building up to is now done. The process is over. It is complete. And it kind of reminds us of something that Jesus said when he hung on the cross. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And again, this was not Jesus giving up. This is Jesus saying, I completed what the Father sent me here to do. I've done this. And we know that he did that for us. And so as we take communion, as it comes to you just when you are ready, you can partake of the bread and the cup. But as you hold those elements, I want you to realize that as we pray, even so come Lord Jesus, let's recognize that he has come. He came the first time to offer his body and his blood for us so that this process of being made new could begin right here and right now. And with confidence, we can say, because of Jesus, all things will become perfectly new. So let's pray, and then we'll partake. Father, thank you for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. And we cry out, even so, come Lord Jesus again. Thank you for this offer of new life made available to us because of your sacrifice. In Jesus' name.